Hello once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside Studio C at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah for our Week 7 edition of The Coordinator's Corner presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coming up on today's program, the Cougars fall for the first time in 2021, dropping a 26-17 decision to Boise State on a soggy Saturday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Joining us for a look back and ahead to BYU's first out-of-state game in more than a month, our special teams coordinator Ed Lamb and offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick. Today we start the show with Coach Lamb. Ed, good to see you once again. Thanks, Greg. Good to be here. Well, we use the phrase complimentary football often to describe when things are going really well. By the same token, it can go the other way uh, when all three phases are challenged at the same time, and that was kind of the case on Saturday. Yeah, it sure was. We were, we were uh, it, as, as it often is, the game comes down to takeaways and opportunities, and, and we didn't play well enough to overcome our, our, the fact that we didn't get as many takeaways as we'd like to, and we turned the ball over. First game this season without a takeaway, so an outlier that way for you guys. It was, it was, and uh, some, you know, there's, I think some people sometimes want to attribute uh, takeaways and turnovers as, um, as luck of the draw or just luck wasn't on our side that day, and, and uh, each takeaway we feel like the defense has an active part in, Boise State, give them credit for the takeaways they made, and, and offensively you look at it as, well, what could we have done differently, and there's some things we could have done differently. Well, the game began well enough. Uh, BYU scored first, <laughs> as has been the case in every game this season, took a 10 nothing lead in the first quarter. Uh, it was our first look at Jaron Hall in three weeks. Uh, looked good to start the game, too. Completed seven of his first, uh, first eight passes against Boise. Sorry, we'll let, you, we'll let you consider that thought as we show Jaron Hall the start he got off to uh, Saturday against the Broncos. Again, we hadn't seen him since the Arizona State game. Late, he left, and uh, it was a decent start for him. Threw the ball decently well. I, I looked like he had enough zip on it. Uh, I mean, from your more studied standpoint, Ed, how do you think uh, Jaron looked in his first action in a little while? Oh, we're, uh, we're, uh, <laughs> <laughs> give you some more time, too. It's one of those things. I've been there, too. If you, uh, if you get that caught, it might take a few breaths to get it back. But I'm going to let uh, the video do the talking as Samson Nakua made a really nice catch in the corner for that 10 uh, nothing BYU lead. And you give me the thumbs up when you think you're ready to go. <laughs> Well, let's, let's take a little break. We'll take a little break. We'll come back and we'll get with Coach Lamb as we continue on the Coordinator's Corner after this. Good hold by Rico off the snap. The kick is on its way. And it is through for three. And BYU has once again scored first. Cougars opened up on top Saturday against Boise State, scored to make it 3-0, added a touchdown pass to make it 10-0, and the Cougars were off to a solid beginning to the game. Uh, Boise did respond, and we're back with Coach Ed Lamb, special teams coordinator, and uh, we left the last segment uh, hinting about uh, a conversation regarding Jaron Hall, and since you hadn't seen him in a while, how did he look to you when the game began? So good to have him back. He's, he's got such leadership, and, and our whole team responds well to him. I thought he opened up the game really well, had some nice completions, and uh, moved around in the pocket as, as he does so well and made some plays extended. It was great to have him back. Boise responded uh, to BYU's 10-0 start uh, with a field goal drive. And uh, on that, and we're seeing some more of Jaron Hall to begin the game. And as I noted earlier, he was a seven for his first eight uh, throwing it. And uh, maybe a thought on, on the ball he put up to, uh, to Samson Nakua that Samson did bring down uh, for a touchdown. Just kind of gave Samson a shot and Samson, I thought, uh, you know, kind of battled for the ball, made a nice play on it. He sure did. That's that chemistry that we talk about developing between between quarterbacks and receivers. Our offensive staff talks about it and the belief in each other, the belief to get the ball up there and the belief to, that the receiver is going to come down with it. 
So the Boise response to the 10 uh, nothing lead was a field goal drive. Didn't score a touchdown, but they uh, had a third and 12 conversion. They went 14 plays, then came an exchange of punts, the second of which puts you back at your nine-yard line. And then the ensuing possession for BYU, first lost fumble of the year, Ed. Cougars had not lost a fumble through five games, and then that first lost fumble led to Boise's first touchdown. Yeah, that's right. That was really unfortunate for us, I and mean, it put the, uh, put the team in a bad spot there. Deep in our own territory, we uh, we all look good when when we play well together. When we keep the ball, there's not a player on our team that doesn't own um, every every one of Tyler Algiers' highlights, and and that's one obviously he wishes he could have back. But uh, we win and lose together, and and we got the ball on the ground there, and we weren't able to get the stop. Boise did score after the fumble to make it a 10-10 ball game, so it's uh, tied up pretty quickly. Now, Boise had a bit of momentum, and then, uh, oddly, on BYU's next touch of the football uh, comes another fumble, this one on a kickoff return. Uh, Katoa took it at the 2, fumbled shy of the 25, and then Boise scores another short field TD. It's kind of a whole new ball game. When you look back at the return, he's a little off balance, right? He gets hit, he's a little off balance, and that's when the ball security may have lapsed a little bit. Is that how you saw it? Or? That's right. He was fighting, as Lopini does so well and so often. He was fighting for some extra yardage there, and I think he just kind of almost went down, and, and then instead of getting a couple of hands on the ball, he got his off hand onto the ground, and that's so often when takeaways happen. He's carried the ball, uh, I don't know how many times in a row. He's, he's had touches and not put the ball on the ground. He's so ball secure, and it just didn't, didn't work out. We had some very uncharacteristic fumbles in the game, at, uh, and they all just uh, happened in the same game. It, was, it was, certainly was, in one sense, some bad fortune. Now, as a special teams coordinator, you've got a plan when you're kicking off on what you'd like the other team to do with your kickoffs. Conversely, what are the instructions your guys have on when and where to return and when to fair catch? We like to, we like to fair catch everything or just let anything in the end zone go unless it has a low trajectory. We got uh, in, at one point in the game, we had JaVel Brown in there, and I think he, he, he determined that tra the trajectory was lower than it actually was, so he brought it out of the end zone and uh, probably should have taken a knee on that one. So what do you want to do uh, when kicking off the football? What is your objective, and does it vary? I guess it would vary, too, from game to game. If you think you've got a dangerous returner, maybe you do try and leg it through the end zone for touchbacks every time. Are there other times when you want to say, let's drop this between the 10 and goal line, make, <coughs> make them make a decision? I think, I think there are. We've made a lot of big plays you know, over the years. I don't think we win the Arizona State game if we just kick it out of the end zone every time. Um, you also force uh, other teams to put their good players out there on kickoff and kickoff return when you're willing to compete in that area. There's certainly times when the, when the analytics say that it's smart to take a knee or kick a touchback, and we, and we follow those uh, religiously. And, and obviously the players, you know, they're out on the field and they have to make judgments sometimes too, and, and we have to live with that. We're happy to take any brunt of, uh, of a poor decision upon the coaching staff. The things can always just be coached better when, when good decisions aren't made. But, uh, you know, yeah, we're, we're not – we're not really willing in any phase of the game just to kind of uh, like take a knee all game. And uh, we've made such tremendous plays over the years. Average starting field position is something you track uh, very closely. And, uh, and very often we'll, we'll stop the other team inside of the, uh, inside of the 20 yard line when we kick it to them and, and challenge them to return the ball. Clearly the NCAA in making the rule change, allowing fair catches inside the 25 to come to the 25, had an objective in mind. Part of it's safety-based, right? Or maybe all of it's safety-based at that point. Yeah, I think, I think really if the game continues to move toward that, you know, it would make a lot of sense just to, to have the option. I think if teams had that, the problem is with the way the rules are set now, if, if there happens to be a little bit of wind in the face of the, of the kickoff team, 
you don't have the option to just kick a touchback. And so you, your kickoff team has to be have the right personnel and, and the right coaching and the right mentality to go and cover kicks. So the idea that uh, you can just kind of you know, wave a magic wand and get the other team to take a touchback, it's, uh, that doesn't exist in the game. Pick a, or like a fair – I was listening to a game coming into the stadium Saturday, uh, got caught at the 16 and, and says fair catch at that point. Yeah, well, and there's another one too. Uh, you know, the, there's there is risk to just fair catching everything, and one of that one of those risks is if a if a fair catch is muffed, let's say on the two yard line, um, and you call for a fair catch and, and you make it, well, you bring it out to the 25, and that's a great result. But uh, if you happen to muff that thing and it touches the ground at all on a fair catch opportunity, it's down at the two yard line. You don't have the opportunity to advance that. So it's not without risk. It's not without reward. We study the. We study the analytics. We study the numbers. We know what the national averages are. We don't always we don't always perform, uh, you know, at 100 percent perfection. But uh, we certainly understand that there's a give and take there with some decision making. Your kickoff team, by the way, is missing a, a, a stalwart in Caleb Christensen. Uh, he's not. He was part of your regular return team. He's not in. Uh, Lopini was in. Javel ended up being in. Um, how, how is that thing working for you right now in terms of personnel and the rotation there? High level of faith going forward with uh, with Lopini. Um, you know, we we uh, in the game we we went with Javel. Just not, it wasn't a lack of faith in in Lopini or a punishment for for fumbling, but just rather you have multiple guys training at a position, and and when somebody performs, they tend to keep that position. When they don't perform, okay, well, it's really about the next guy at that point. Let's get another guy an opportunity, and uh, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all to have uh, Lopini back there. Uh, this week again as a starter or somebody else who's been working and doing a good job. We've got some good players on the team that we have high level of trust in. And and uh, Hobbs is, uh, stays where he was then on kickoff return. Hobbs has been a real stalwart for us. One of the one of the ti- one of the kickoffs that we make a lot of our hay on is is uh, our cross kick where we kick it to the off returner and uh, and Hobbs has been uh, fantastic in that role. A couple of games ago, somebody tried to to sky one over to his side and he ended up bringing it out past the 30 yard line. That Utah State into, game. Yeah, got yeah. us into plus range and that's a big. Anytime our offense can get it out uh, past the 30-yard line to start the drive, then it changes everything that, as far as risk-reward ratios, the way we operate the offense moving forward. So we like him in that position, and we have, we have other guys. Chris Jackson does a great job in practice, as does Javel. That's why we trusted him in that situation. And Lopini's been the best, and that's why he was the starter. On punt return, you did have a double return set up uh, at one stage of the game as well with Hobbs and Talmadge. We did. It, it, was, it was by those two guys performed it beautifully it was ready to go a credit Boise State's punter he got off one of the best punts of his of his career and it just had a ton of hang time and eventually Boise State sniffed it out but I thought Hobbs did a good job of selling it and uh, drew most of the coverage to him and then and then Talmadge had been working on his older over-the-shoulder catch all week and and successfully did it but it just they had a couple of guys over there in a good position and, and it was enough to make the tackle on him. Talmadge had to make a nice over-the-shoulder catch on that sky punt, on that deep punt. He did, and, and we anticipated that. Yeah, that's one of those things. If you give it away pre-snap, then it's kind of obvious there's two returners, and so he he uh, was was running to make the over-the-shoulder catch. We were hoping for a little bit shorter punt, maybe with even less hang time, and, and that he could have maybe flipped and caught uh, moving forward, but he was prepared for that moment. Fessi Satake is a... Uh, stays after with our guys a couple of times a week and, and works on difficult punt catches, and, and that's why they're so sure-handed in that part of the game. 
Okay, back to the game flow here. You're down 17-10. JaVel Brown's first kickoff return from the end zone ends up in a targeting call, actually. So you actually end up gaining yards on that. Um, but then it was what we'll call a four and out for BYU, a fourth down at midfield. Um, and, and this is not a surprise if, if you know, BYU is going to be an aggressive team in the middle of the field, and, and you'd made every fourth down until that, until that snap. Yeah, we had, and we'd, and we'd taken some big risks in previous games that paid off. You know, the, the, our first scoring drive against Arizona, I thought, was the difference in the game. I think it was a fourth and five-ish call, which was much more risky. Fourth and two for us is uh, almost 70%. We're at 68%. The national average is 67%. We felt really good about any fourth and two that's out, to, you know, not deep in our own end. What we talk about as a whole team, and, and this, is, this is legitimately preached to the whole team, is any decision like this is actually a two series decision. So for example, if we if we miss the opportunity on the fourth down, for it to backfire on us, the defense has to give up a score. And uh, and it and it just it worked out that way. We gave up a field goal, but you know, any time that we can not uh, purposely give the ball back to the opponent and have greater than a 50% chance uh, to get the first down, then we, we want to be aggressive in those situations. Field position has a lot to do with that, as does score. But we needed we needed to fight for, for possessions in that game. Mm -hmm. It didn't work out. We'll own that. I'll own that. Coach Sataki will own that. BYU did keep Boise out of the end zone, though, as you note. Field goal was tacked on, so it was 20-10 at the break. Uh, general vibe at halftime in terms of uh, where you guys were down 10, what you were telling the team? No panic at that point, I, I think. But the you know the remainder of the game uh, stayed large, largely the same. We we just did not play uh, well enough on offense, defense, or special teams to make the desired difference in the game. We I thought we got much more aggressive on the defensive side of the ball in the second half, and only ended up giving up a couple of field goals. But they were costly field goals. And um, offensively, we 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 moved the ball. We had some success. We just didn't string it together in the way that would culminate in successful scoring drives, as often. And so and so we took a loss. There are there are things to be learned. Our players and coaches can be doing things better on the field and off the field. We know what those are. Uh, Boise State helped us identify those things. And the thing about losing is it makes the victories that much sweeter. Maybe that's the lesson that we needed to learn going into this week. The, the second half of this game began with Boise with the football, and they ended up going 23-10 on you. Um, but a really nice drive in response. You convert a fourth down, setting up a first down at the Boise 31. And then on a run, it's, it's, it was such a flip. It looked like Lopini was, might, might score on the play, and it ends up going the other way because he's hit and, and fumbles at the 18. So a point-scoring opportunity went by the wayside there when you were trying to hang in this one. It did, and, and Lopini and, and Tyler, for that matter, those, those guys are heroes to us all. You know what? The amount of success that we've all enjoyed, um, you know, because of their talents, because of their abilities, because of their extra efforts, it, it didn't pay off in this game, and nobody feels worse than they do. But uh, our whole our whole team owns that. When they're successful, we're successful. It's just a really unfortunate. Uh, I, I'm sure he'd like to have back the you know the, the play itself and do something a little bit different. But uh, there's not a there's not a player on our football team, offense or defense, that won't go to battle with Tyler and Lopini every single play. And the defense had his back right there immediately. BYU kind of needed a three and out, and you got it. Um, and that was the first one since the first Boise drive of the game. So you're still in the game. And then BYU drives down to the three-yard line, ends up being a turnover on down. So a couple of point-scoring opportunities uh, are, are not capitalized on on one side going in and then the other side on that first and goal from the three. Yeah, we, we needed those earlier in the game as well. That's a, that's a, a big part of our mentality on defense is to play better and to play more more aggressive after a turnover, and, and we weren't able to get that done over the course of the game. 
And I guess you credit Boise, too, in this one, <laughs> Coach, uh, because BYU, what they had been doing in the first five games was when things would get tight, become a one-score game, you need one score, one drive to put it away. BYU did that. And in this case, Boise needed really one drive, one score to make it a nine-point game, and, and, and they did that. And they did, and a tremendous throw and catch. You know, I, thought, I thought our defense played uh, really solid and aggressive in the second half, and, and when Boise really needed that last possession to make it a two-score game, they threw up a pass that was a contested pass. And a Shakir it was grab. Fantastic uh, catch and, and throw. And we got beat on the play. And there's always things that we can we can do better on, on every play. And we'll study that defensively. But I thought it was fair coverage and, and definitely a great effort uh, to finish to the ground. And, and their, their receiver came away with it. Yeah, it was, it was a great play by Khalil Shakir. Uh, tremendous job to keep it in his possession, going to the ground, and Boise got the job done. Such a strange game in a lot of ways, uh, Coach Lamb. You only had to punt one time with Ryan. Uh, you see the yardage advantage. Uh, it's always going to be points over yards, but it's a good advantage in yardage and yards per play. Uh, that was in BYU's favor. It was one of those games where it kind of felt like literally the only one that really, really mattered if you want to get granular is, is the, the minus four in the margin. And coaches know this, and that's why we, you know, we have a subset of goals. Our number one goal on offense is to score. Our number one goal on defense is to keep the opponent from scoring. It's regardless of field position. It's regardless of how many average yards per play or average yards per rush. We, we actually hit our targets offensively and defensively in terms of the way that we, we try to throw, uh, throw the football, the way that we try to run the football, the way that we try to play run defense. We always want to keep the opponent to three yards or less. Uh, they were 3.1 yards per rush. Anything less than six yards on pass attempts is considered solid defense, and they were 5.1 yards per pass attempt. But, BYU was eight plus on offense. Yeah, pass yeah attempt. that's it, a solid number. That's what I mean. Offensively and defensively, I thought we, you know, we weren't we weren't amazing. It's it's not something we want to brag about. But I, the point I'm making is that uh, takeaways and score are much more important than any you know yardage per play, yardage per pass attempt, yardage per rush attempt. It's it's uh, something that we know very well, and that's why we preach it like that. It was all mitigated by those uh, the, the takeaway number, which was a zero, and the giveaway number, which was a four. Uh, let's get to the defensive player of the week, though. And uh, this is a guy that's put himself into some national uh, stat c categories in terms of tackles and solo tackles. Uh, somebody that uh, maybe didn't make maybe the big three of consciousness from Peely, Wilgar, and Thule to begin the year, but he's right there, and that's Ben Bywater's played well for you. He's been so solid. He's stepped up, and it's been a big loss for us without Keenan Peely. His production. Ben was playing right along the whole time. We just had more depth at that point than we have now. And uh, Ben has really stepped up the number of snaps he's played and his production has come along with it. We also we want to recognize Caleb Hayes, who, who had a tremendous game and, and was also, we, we consider him co-player of the game. Sometimes the deadline for this show doesn't allow us to <laughs> get, the, get the graphic in there in time, but Caleb Hayes also had a wonderful game. Speaking of corners, uh, any, any thought on, on Keenan Ellis' availability at some point this season? Um, yes, we're, we, we have hope every day that he'll be out there, but uh, like, like any concussion protocol, it's just it's simply up to him and, and the doctors and the performance that he has on a daily basis. And, and just because of some of the um, gray areas of how much coaches can be involved, and we don't, we don't want to get involved in some of those personal discussions. And so we have hopes that he'll be back every day. And, and when, when he's not, we're disappointed for him and disappointed for us. Special teams uh, players of the game, and there were a handful against Boise State. <clears throat> there were, yeah, we, we recognized uh, several guys. There, we thought that the top uh, rock, the top coverage guys, 
were um, Chris Jackson and Jacob Bourne, and they consistently do that. Such great effort by those guys, and they, and they play multiple special teams as well. Caleb Hayes and Morgan Piper did a great job in the blocking area, and uh, Drew Jensen is a, is a guy that's on all four of our special teams units, just always delivers, and we thought he had one of his best games pressuring punts. Jacob Bourne may not be a name a lot of fans are familiar with, but in addition to special teams, he's finding himself in the defensive rotation as well. What can you tell us about Jacob Bourne? Yeah, it's a great story, and, and I think BYU will always be a, an opportunity for um, for kids to come here, maybe unrecruited, walk-on guys, and, and it's a place where guys grow up wanting to go to school, and, and that can be an advantage for us. Jacob is one of those guys that, that we didn't, I don't know that any of our coaches actually knew him before he came to the open tryout. He showed some speed, some competitiveness, worked on offense for a while. Our offensive coaches liked him, and, and just, you know, there's a rotation and how much he was in that rotation. Didn't really look promising, but we need we had a need on defense, and he's filled that need. He's given us some really good quality snaps. Giving you some safety corner help. Where do you kind of view him right now, nickel? How, yeah, we, uh... he plays the nickel. A lot of teams that we face, they, they might have their smallest, shiftiest, uh, fastest receiver at the slot position, and, and so that's usually who he ends up covering, and he's a really nice, nice matchup for that type of philosophy. Okay, uh, before the break here, every loss stings, certainly. Uh, was this a more bothersome loss than others just because of the nature of it, where so many things were done well enough to win, but yet you don't get the result you want? I, I think it is. Uh, you know, in, in some ways, I, I think um, when it is, when, when some of the key takeaways happened, because of guys that have been so good and so solid for us, I think it's easy for everybody to get their mind around the fact that this is this is our team. We don't you don't uh, you know we don't live and and celebrate and and become winners on the backs of Lopini Katoa and and uh, Tyler Algier for the last couple of years, and then all of a sudden you know we blame or finger point in a game where you know where they made a mistake that everybody can see is just a visible mistake. 100% uh, our defensive guys took the field in those circumstances and expected to get stops and and just like those guys have done uh, for the team and given it up for the team and performed well and made us all winners uh, we anticipated to go out there on defense and do the same and, and we just weren't able to get that done it was a team loss in every way as we go to break a reminder that dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody from burgers to wings shakes to salads JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and Harriman. Well, this weekend, BYU plays at Baylor. Tune in to Cougar Pregame Live on BYU Radio starting at 11.30 a.m. Mountain Time, 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Coming up next, a preview of the battle with the Bears, and we'll check in on social media for Coach Lamb. You're in the coordinator's corner. We're in Studio C at BYUB, and we're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more after this. Jaron looks left, shuffling left, throws for the end zone. It's in the back of the end zone. and Oh, what a catch is made! Samson Nakua for the touchdown! Oh, Samson! What a grab and what a play! Samson's second touchdown is a BYU Cougar. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Chatting with BYU special teams coordinator, safeties coach, and assistant head coach Ed Lamb. Today, BYU coming off a 26-17 home loss to Boise State. 19th straight loss for BYU when they score 21 or fewer. Uh, this Saturday, it's BYU at Baylor in a sneak peek of Big 12 matchups to come. And Coach Lamb, there's clearly some familiarity uh, with the Baylor program by virtue of two key offensive coaches they've got. Yeah, that's right, and and, uh, and and probably a little bit overplayed at times. You know, the, the the fact that they know us really well, or we we know them really well. It's you know that, that I've never seen, I've never experienced where that made a large impact on the game. This game's about the players. 
uh, you know, Coach Grimes is smart enough that he's going to change some things up and, and make sure that his tendencies aren't available to us, and we're going to do the same. The fact that a trip to Waco will be a regular thing in the future, thoughts on that? It's kind of a Big 12 preview of sorts. Yeah, a really neat environment for our players to go and be a part of. What a, what a cool stadium. They've invested a lot in that program. You can see it uh, on the field and in the facilities, and I think it would just be a great uh, introduction for our players on, on one of our future in-conference rivals. You had one off-season visit to the stadium, so you know what it looks like? I have, yeah. We went to, a couple of years ago to the National Coaches Convention in San Antonio, and my wife Sarah was there with me, and she wanted to make the trip to, I, I think it's called Magnolia or something like that. And it's right there, almost just a few hundred yards from the stadium, so we made a deal. She got to check out Magnolia, <laughs> and I checked out the stadium. Uh, thoughts on the Bears, who are 5-1, and one, just like BYU? Oh, super clean on offense. They, they don't turn the ball over. They, they do a great job, a high, really high pass completion percentage. They rush the ball effectively. One of the top offenses statistically in the country and don't see any, any personnel weaknesses. They're really strong. They're, they're, really, they have a, they're sound on their special teams. It's, it's really hard to take an advantage in that area. And, uh, and defensively, I've, I've only, I haven't watched them yet. I bet Coach Roderick could speak more to that, but uh, from everything I've heard, really solid on defense as well. Well, after a week with zero takeaways, we'll keep in mind the fact that uh, Baylor's one of only two teams right now in the country that hasn't thrown an interception this season. Bohannon's a good one at quarterback. He is really a good one. He really sees it. He does a good job standing tall in the pocket. If he doesn't like what he sees, he's got the mobility to get out of the pocket, and he hurts, really hurts teams that way. He does a, does a fantastic job. It, it, it is tough to put them in a situation where they're not comfortable. They've, they've looked very comfortable every snap all season long. Let's take one social media question for Coach Lamb before we uh, uh, cut loose today. This will be from at Old School BYU, and he says, uh, playing a full season takes a toll mentally, requiring a strong mentality week over week. The loss seemed to show uh, some mental lapses, or perhaps, and this is his perception, uh, going through motions. How can coaches combat in the future this to avoid beating oneself due to those lapses if they are present? I agree with that. You know, the, the culture of our program is that the, the little things um, on and off the field lead lead to the little successes on the field, which which pile up and, and cumulatively become big successes. And, and that's what we have to get back to is, is how to how to, you know, spill blocks on defense and how to go and take the field with the type of passion and energy where we can play shutdown defense, how to possess and move the ball consistently into scoring on offense. And, and there's things on and off the field that I think we can address. Well, Coach Lamb, always good to be with you. Uh, thank you for coming in, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Good luck this week. Okay. Thank you, Greg. That's Coach Ed Lamb. Fans, you can get pregame coverage of BYU Saturday Showdown with Baylor on BYU TV's Countdown to Kickoff Saturday at noon Eastern, uh, 2 Eastern, noon Mountain Time. Coming up next, we'll chat with BYU Offensive Coordinator and QB Coach Aaron Roderick. This is the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back after this. You are in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU now 5-1 after a 26-17 home loss to Boise State on Saturday. BYU with its highest turnover number and worst turnover margin number in some four years. Four giveaways and a minus four margin in the Saturday setback. We start the second half hour of the show with BYU offensive coordinator and QB coach Aaron Roderick. Uh, coach, good to see you back with us once again. Good to be here. Well, one of your mantras as an OC is don't do the things that get you beat. And unfortunately, Saturday, too many of those things happened for the Cougs. Yeah, it was a really disappointing day. Um, it was basically exactly the opposite of the formula that we've been using to win. You know, we've uh, 
we've been great at taking care of the ball and we've been we've been very efficient in the red zone for the first five games and then this game was just the opposite we gave the ball away and played very poorly in the red zone. Penalties are rarely a strong indicator of wins or losses, but it was also uh, the most penalties in a game this season for BYU. It was all just, an, just an indicator. Yeah, it's true. And you're, that, I'm glad you said that. A lot of times penalties don't have a big impact on winning and losing, surprisingly. Um, but we had some critical penalties in this game that were costly in the red zone. And uh, it was part of our poor red zone performance. Well, before we get more deeply into the game itself, it was our first look at uh, Jaron Hall since the win over Arizona State. Uh, how did his practice week go, and what did you need to see to feel good in giving him the start against uh, Boise? His practice week was uh, good. He, he practiced about a third. He took about a third of the reps on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then he took about half the reps on Thursday. So it, he didn't get as many reps as he normally would, um, but it was enough that we felt like he could play. He felt good enough to play, and I felt like he deserved it based on how he played earlier in the season. And he played a solid game. It wasn't it wasn't his best performance, but it was good. He gave us a chance to win. He was smart with the football. That last interception at the end of the game, I mean, that was just trying to make a play in a tough situation. But I thought prior to that, he was very smart with the ball. And um, he'll get better with more practice reps this week. Did you feel good after his first couple series? He was 7 for 8 throwing it early. Yeah, he was throwing the ball very efficiently, and he was being really smart with it. Uh, we were... Probably you could probably tell we were a little more careful about how much he, how many how many hits he took this game, but he feels great and we feel like this week we can uh, really cut loose. Yeah, so he had only one run. Uh, it was for minus two yards. Uh, this was not a typical Jaron Hall day with his legs, certainly. No, and Boise State's defense does not allow for that either. That's something that on film uh, we noticed they they do not let the quarterback keep the ball. They they're going to make you hand it off and. Um, very few quarterback runs on film that were successful leading into this game, so it wasn't really a big part of the plan anyway. And um, you know, we'll see where that goes from here. So he took a hard hit on his final. It turned out to be his final throw. Uh, defender got a clear shot at him on, on the pick. Uh, how do you come out of that? I was worried about it. Yeah, he said he, he feels great. He said no soreness, and uh, you know, I think that was the only hit really the whole day that had any kind of impact at all. And uh, he said he feels good. So if, if the game plan had been for him to run a little more, could you have done that with him on Saturday? Uh, I mean, he felt good enough to do it. It just, like I said, Boise State is very, uh, they account for the quarterback in everything they do. They're very well coached. And um, so there probably wouldn't have been a lot there for him anyway. Okay, but if it was the kind of team where it was like, that's there, you yeah, had no he, hesitation. He felt, he felt good enough to go, yeah. And that, that was one thing he said to me was he didn't want me to feel handcuffed. If, he said, if I play, we got to play. And, and um, so... Baylor Romney situation. Baylor wasn't available for you a Saturday. Um, is it too early to say how he looks for this week? I expect to have him this week, but I don't know yet. Okay. And you've said before with us that uh, if Jaron's uh, healthy, he's the starter. Does anything change based on how Baylor has played and how Jaron maybe maybe not quite there, or was Jaron enough there for you? Uh, Jaron is the starter, and. Um, you know, we know we, we we trust Baylor at any time, and all the quarterbacks know. You know, you have to keep playing well to keep your job. But um, I, I thought Jaron played a good game Saturday. I was I was happy with how he played. Um, you know, we we had a lot of other problems that were a lot more important than any of the you know minor mistakes he made. There's a few things he could have done a little better, but I thought he played a solid game. So as far as you're concerned, it's a step forward. Like he's back yeah, in he, and back in it. He, yeah, and I, I think he th threw for over 300 yards. I'm career not sure, high. I'm not sure if he's done that before. No, it's a career high. Um, 
He threw some really nice deep balls. He was, you know, aggressive in the passing game. Um, and we just, you know, mistakes killed us. We, we did not play well as a team. Uh, the turnovers and the red zone execution was poor. And, um, you know, could everybody can play better, but he's really was really the least of the worries from from Saturday's game. Understood. Back to the game itself. He had a 10 nothing lead and BYU always scores first this year and a real nice touchdown play uh, on, on the pass, the catch by Sampson. Maybe we could just briefly talk about how well Sampson's played for you. I think at that point, I think he had five catches and two were for touchdowns. I mean, a real nice play in the end zone. Yeah, great play. They, they actually covered the route pretty well and uh, they, they did a good job covering it, but uh, Jaron just threw it up high and gave Sampson a chance. The, the corner was, you know, Sampson had a pretty good height advantage over him and uh, he's good at high pointing the ball. So it was perfect ball placement by Jaron. He put it where either Samson was going to get it or it was incomplete. And it was a great throw. Now, BYU leads have held up, obviously, this year. Saturday, Boise responded to the 10 uh, 0 BYU lead with a field goal made at 10 3. Then the score went from BYU leading by a touchdown to trailing by a touchdown in a, in a real hurry. Yeah, and it was just, again, we, we spotted them those points with the turnovers. It's unfortunate because, like, you know, as I already mentioned, that's exactly opposite of how we won the first five games was we were not giving anybody anything easy and um, in this game just we didn't do a good enough job and how, how you know odd for a team that hadn't lost a fumble all year to have lost fumbles on consecutive touches I mean it just doesn't happen yeah and uh, I don't know if you've had our, if you've mentioned this or not before I came on but um, Peeney had touched the ball 344 times in his career and only fumbled twice prior to this game and He's so reliable. He's such a reliable player. And Tyler was 354 touches in his career and had, had fumbled three times in, in his entire career. So uh, these, these are two very reliable guys who just happen to have a, a tough day on the same day. And, uh, but, you know, we, we trust those guys 100%. We know they'll bounce back and play great this week. Down 17-10 in this game, you had to get momentum back, and you faced a fourth and two on the next possession at the BYU 46. Middle of the field's a good place for you, yeah. and you had converted every fourth down try before that point this season. Yeah, another, uh, another, you know, just this is something that just hasn't been us this year. We've been so efficient on fourth down. Uh, that's our one of our, really our base run play. It's our first day install play, and we just didn't execute it very well. Uh, it was disappointing not to get those two yards because um, like I said, we've been doing really well on fourth down all season. Now, Boise, after getting the ball here, did get down inside the five, but had to settle for a field goal. So the damage was kind of mitigated. You're down 20-10 at the break. On your way to the locker room, what's in your head? Uh, just that we just need to regroup and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll be fine. No panic at all. There's lots of game left. Just keep playing. And uh, Actually, you know, I wasn't happy to be down, but... I thought, okay, this is the first time all year we have some real adversity. We get, we get an opportunity to work through some adversity as a team and thought that would be a good opportunity for us, and uh, we didn't handle it well. BYU falling for the first time this year to Boise State, 26-17. to Time for a break. When we come back, we'll see how BYU tried to hang in that game with Boise State, and we'll get an offensive player of the week from Coach Roderick as well. The coordinator's corner continues after this. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Stay with us. Snap to Jaron Hall, play fake, deep drop, and goes deep. He's got a man downfield, Romney. Romney adjusts to make the catch. Pass interference flag, no matter. The Cougs take a deep shot, and Gunner Romney makes it pay off. What excellent skill down the far sideline. 
We are back on the coordinator's corner with offensive coordinator and QB coach Aaron Roderick. BYU now 5-1 after Saturday's home field loss to Boise State. That uh, first loss after 13 straight wins at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. BYU now ranked 19th and 20th in the two major polls as the Cougars get set to face Baylor this Saturday. Well, uh, trailing 2010 at halftime on Saturday, offense had to wait a while uh, to get its first chance in the second half. 13-play Boise drive, they go up 13. So between the end of the first half and halftime, and then Boise with the ball, it was kind of, you're off the field for kind of a long time in real time on the offense. Yeah, it was a weird game in that way. It didn't have a lot of rhythm to it. And, you know, a big part of that was our own, our own mistakes, uh, not taking care of the ball and not converting that fourth and two. Uh, but then, yeah, they got the ball first and held it for a while. And so it, it seemed like it had been forever by the time we got back out there. You were down 23-10. You got the ball back, got to another fourth down in the middle of the field, a fourth and eight, and uh, Jaron throws a great ball to Neil Pau to move the sticks on that drive. Yeah, that was a nice play. Uh, you know, Neil's been showing up for us all year on these conversions. He got a, got a knack for getting open. Settled, made the catch, and then two plays later, it was the, uh, the third lost fumble uh, of the day. And that's a tough one. It does not, doesn't count as a red zone drive, but you did have it inside the 20 in possession when it felt like you were going to go in there. Yeah, I mean, again, you can't give the, you know, you give the ball away. You just see you're not only giving the other team a chance to score, but you're, you know, you're, we were right there for a chance to put points up on the board. And um, that turnover margin really tells the story. Never felt like you were out of it, even though it was a struggle. You know, drives like that were like, well, they're just right there. And then the defense gets you a three and out, A-Rod, and you march right down to the Boise three-yard line. You're knocking on the door again. Uh, can you maybe bring us through that play sequence as you thought about it and called it when you got down to the three? Yeah. Um, you're talking about when we didn't? Uh, first and goal from the three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we just, again, we had good plays down there, stuff we practiced a million times, and we just, we just did not. Uh, do what we've been doing all year. I, I, I'm searching for the answer right now. Uh, we, we spent the whole morning talking about it as a staff, and we're going to address it this afternoon with our team. Um, but we've got we've to play better when we get down there, and we've done that for five games. So we're not going to panic, and, 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 uh, but we need, to, we need to make a big point this week and you know, remind our players of how we got to 5-0. and That's the thing. There can't be an overreaction here. You were 5-0, and and you weren't that far away even in this game. Even down two scores, it felt like you were just that close to getting right back in it and winning it. Yeah, that, that sequence right there was even more disappointing than maybe the turnovers because we still had a great chance to win the game. And um, we have no one to blame but ourselves. We just didn't get it done. You did make it a one-score game because you were still in the game, and we showed the big play coming out of the break, but uh, 59 yards to, to Gunnar Romney while he was being interfered with, part of a drive to get you down there to make it a one-score game again. Yeah, you know, the guys kept battling, and, you know, this is a great throw and catch, great pass protection. Um, we did get down there and get a touchdown this time and put ourselves in position to still have a chance to win. And uh, I, I guess that just makes it sting even more is how close we came even after playing so poorly. But as I mentioned with Coach Lamb, once you got to one score, Boise did to you what you had been doing to the other teams, and that is when they got up to one score on you this year, when you did one you did one drive, one score, you got the points needed, and that's, that's actually what happened on, on Saturday. Correct. Five games in a row we had either a scoring drive or a clock-eating drive at the end of the game to, to seal the win. And, uh, you know, they did that to us this time, and so 
at the end of the day, it's just exactly opposite formula how what we've done to win our other five games. The one final giveaway of the day came on the final possession. Uh, that's a pick that, I mean, not that it doesn't count, they all count, but there's a you know, bit of a mitigating circumstance there. Yeah, Jaron was just trying to make a play. It was, you know, third and 20. Um, in in what, what I was hoping to accomplish there was just get a completion, an intermediate level completion where we could kick a field goal. Because you needed two scores. We needed two scores. Getting 20 yards is hard to do in one play. Um, but Boise, credit them, they, they did a nice job covering on that play, and Jaron was just trying to make something happen. So four giveaways, uh, a couple turnovers on downs. Um, so on a day that you punt just the one time and you outgain Boise by more than like, two yards of play, you walk away with a loss. Uh, I have to imagine just that fact makes it one of the more frustrating losses you've had to endure. It is. It, it's, this is a really tough one to swallow because we, we just didn't play well as a team, and, and um, it felt like that's a game we, we, we all feel like we should have won. And so, you know, you just got to learn from it and move on. And we've got a big challenge ahead of us this week, so we can't dwell on it. Yeah, and I feel, so, you know, coaches, when they come, even on this Monday morning show, you have already moved on. You're into Baylor. You're yeah. trying to win the next game. And we force you to reflect on the one yeah. you just played. And usually these Mondays are a lot of fun. We're looking back at the good stuff. And today it's a little tougher than, uh, than most days, to be certain. But uh, uh, offensive players of the game, there were a couple that stood out to you. Let's identify those guys and give them props for how they played on Saturday. Yeah, Clark Barrington, you could give him player of the game almost every game this year. He's one of our most consistent players, and um, he's really, really physical guy, grading out very highly every game. And then uh, Puka, we thought he really showed up, and he's sort of, you know, we're six games in now, but with him missing so much camp, he's, yeah. finally, he's finally reached the point now where we can play him most of the game, and he knows what he's doing, and we can use him like we would like to. And so... Uh, we're going to you know, keep trying to get him the ball as many ways as we can. He's kind of settled into, if you were to have a quote-unquote big yeah. three at wideout, you've got Neal and Gunner and Puka. They're kind of doing what you'd hope they do. Yeah, and Samson's getting right there as well. And um, I know everybody's wanted to see more of him, but honestly, early on, he just wasn't quite there yet with the knowledge of the offense and had missed a lot of time in camp. So we were having to be careful with him uh, with his hamstring. And uh, now we're, we're kind of hitting our stride now where he can play a lot of snaps and he's in great shape and he's he, you know every time he touches the ball something exciting happens and I think your number four receiver right now in terms of receptions is uh, out of the backfield Tyler Algier is making some grabs for you he is yeah and that was that was uh, a point of emphasis in the offseason was to throw more to him all right time for a break as we step away a reminder that for your daily Cougar sports play-by-play -play, tune in weekdays to BYU Sports Nation at noon Eastern time. Coming up on our final segment of this week's show, we'll look ahead to Saturday's road game at Baylor and get a question from social media for Coach Roderick as well. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. Back with more right after this. Coordinator's Corner is brought to you in part by JCW's, the Burger Boys. BYU food to go the MVP of your next event and by Siegfried and Jensen serving Utah families for over 30 years. 
You're in the coordinator's corner brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. We are with BYU OC and QB coach Aaron Roderick today. Well, this Saturday in uh, Baylor, in Waco, after five straight games in the Beehive State, uh, the Cougs leave the state uh, for a game at Baylor to preview uh, Big 12 games to come, in a way. Uh, both teams 5-1 and one on the season. BYU losing 26-17 to Boise State on Saturday. Baylor won 45-20 uh, at home to West Virginia. They can put up some point totals. You'll have to be, it looks like, uh, answering them pretty frequently. Yeah, they're, uh, they're very good on defense, so we've definitely got our work cut out for us. They, they have a nose guard that is, nobody's blocked him all year. <laughs> he's uh, listed at 6'4", 350, but he looks like he's bigger than that. And uh, very disruptive player and, and great speed at linebacker and secondary. They're long, athletic guys. Getting on an airplane for a true away game is something new. BYU hasn't done that since Coastal Carolina last year. Yeah, it's um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a big challenge. Go on the road and and play against a really good team. Any thoughts about the fact that it will be uh, this will be a regular thing? This will be a this will be a Big 12 visit here in years to come. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. I mean, I I, I look forward to that. Right now, we just gotta go figure out how to get this win. But that is a cool thing that's out there in the future. Besides our nose guard, what do you see from this Baylor defense right now? Just great speed and great length. They're they're a really tall team like us. We we we've had a height advantage on most teams we play, but these guys are right there with us, uh, size wise, and they're very physical. They have great speed at all positions in the in the back end, and um, they play very well together as a unit. Just very well coached. A couple of former BYU coaches on the Baylor staff from just last season, yeah. uh, and Coach Grimes and Coach Mateos. Yeah, and that presents a challenge because they know our entire offensive system, how we signal, how we operate. Um, Matt Mitchell went there as well. He was one of our analysts last year, okay. and he was heavily involved in our, our whole operation. So uh, we've been planning this for a whole year now. We have, to, we have to completely change how we function as an offense for this game. Dave Aranda is a defensive guy. Yeah. Uh, so has he kind of thrown the whole thing over to, to Grimey on this, in this instance, offensively? Uh, I, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Aranda has coached against BYU quite a few times as a DC, yeah. but now he's got Baylor as the, as, as the head man. Um, just quickly updating, uh, or back to our first segment, uh, Baylor-Romney, uh, again, the hope was you'd get him back for this week? Hoping, that... hoping to get him okay. back. I haven't gotten a report today, and okay. like Coach Lamb mentioned earlier, we don't, when it comes to concussions, we're not very involved in the decisions. We just wait to hear the, you know, what the word is, and so... I'm hoping to get him back, but I, I don't have anything, any new information yet today. The backup last week was Jacob Conover uh, for the uh, Boise State game. Correct. And he had a great week of practice, and we have confidence in him if, if he's called upon. Uh, and uh, since Kalani brought it up in our pregame on Saturday, uh, Soljay actually became the three, I think, against uh, Boise State, right? Yeah. Yeah, Soljay's, uh, you know, he doesn't get mentioned much, but he's, he's, he's here and he's improving. And um, he's a little bit different player than those other guys, but... He's an exciting player that, that is getting better all the time. Who else is in the quarterback room these days? Uh, Cade Fennigan is in there, Boise State transfer. Um, he's redshirting. And then we have Nick Billups as well, who is uh, a walk-on, uh, who's doing a good job. And then uh, Rhett Riley. That's a pretty deep group, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And that's part of Kalani's philosophy is we're going to keep that room full and we're going to keep recruiting the best quarterbacks we can find every year and may the best man win. Social media question from Coach Roderick from at Voltage34. Do you have to change a lot in schemes or communication on the field uh, to account for coaches Mateos and Grimes being with Baylor now? Yes, and that's what I was just mentioning before. We literally, like, 
our entire operation has to be different this week because they they know everything and um, that we do. And so we've got a plan for it. It's not like it caught us off guard. We've been planning for it for a whole year and uh, or close to a year now. And we'll be we'll be ready to go Saturday. But it is going to be a very different operation uh, than what we've been doing in the first five games. So you're going to bring something out for one game and one game only. Yeah, you have to because it's just the way it is. If they know our plays, if they know what plays we're running, then they'll they'll nail us on defense. So we've got to uh, operate a different way, and and um, it's a it's quite it's quite a challenge. We've got five days to practice it. We're okay, is there is there a quick flip side the other way where it helps you? Um, it it help yeah it'll help us. I mean, just because they won't know what we're running. So I mean that's but we have to we just have to do things in a different way than what we've done. Coach, thanks for coming in, and we'll see you uh, next week. Good luck at uh, Baylor this Saturday. Looking forward to it. Thanks. All right, that's Coach Aaron Roderick, and that'll do it for this week's edition of the Coordinator's Corner. Back with you next Monday at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. For Coaches Lamb and Roderick, I'm Greg Rubel saying go Cougs, and we will see you next week in the Coordinator's Corner. So long.